Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, one of the things I do in life, besides from talking to you and making podcasts, is I'm I'm in an axe throwing league. So basically, what you do when you throw axes is you stand in front of a couple pieces of wood, x number of feet in front of you, and you throw an axe at it. And what I have seen over the last year and a half or so of doing this is that people tend to go through stages. So the first stage is they're just happy to get the board to stick, let alone where it sticks in there, but just to get the ax to stick into the wood, that in itself is a happy and a great accomplishment when you're at that stage. And then people start throwing a little bit longer, they get the hang of the technique, and now it becomes, I want to hit it in this circle. And then that's, you're in that stage for a little bit where about 80% of the time you're hitting a bullseye, but then there's that 20% of the time where you're hitting outside of the bullseye and you get upset. So there's that stage. And then there's the next stage when you just expect yourself to be hitting more and more consistently and more and more um, successfully. And then you get to the stage where unless it's perfect, you're upset. So I bring this up because in some regards, people may have been able to figure out the analogy of a target. You're throwing things at it and it's all about technique and raw strength just doesn't get the job done. So I bring this up in relation to faith because we see in many different arenas in life that what used to be okay in the beginning becomes highly discouraging and upset if you're at the exact same level down the road. Meaning that if I throw a a shot and I'm outside of the bullseye, in the very beginning I was ecstatic. I just got the thing to stick in the wood and now it cost me from throwing a perfect game. So I bring this up because I think that it's a certain element of human nature. And that being said, if it is truly an element of human nature, I see how it can easily be affected with with the dealing with Christ, our relationship with Christ. Um, I see it intertwining with our relationship with sin. And I just wanted to have a conversation since that is just a feeling I have building up of there's some people who are okay with where they're at in life and some people would be appalled to be there. And I just want to take a minute to to discuss that. Well, it's a great analogy, Joe, to contrast with the spiritual life rather than to equate with the spiritual life. Uh, and it's a it's great that you bring it up because I think it's the idea that a lot of people have. But it's the major shift from uh, performance in an exterior way to relationship in an interior way. When you grow in relationship with your wife... Uh, there isn't so much of the like achievement dimension of that. It's something that grows organically over time. And in fact, the external part, I always think, you know, a good thing to do when thinking about the spiritual life or the faith life or something like that is, is to see how it correlates with when you're 90 years old and you're in diapers and bedridden and uh, drooling. Uh, you're not less holy at that point, even though you can't do any of the normal things that you thought were important or that you were striving towards at some other point in your life. 
And obviously you can't throw axes, you know. And in fact, you're, so whereas your axe throwing performance will diminish over time, even if it peaks at a certain point, relationships are not like that and faith is not like that. And so it's a, it's a different kind of um, measurement or a different kind of development than performance. But it's the idea that a lot of people have about prayer, that it's a technique that you master in order to achieve a certain result. And that's not how prayer works. Prayer is a relationship. And, and just like a relationship cannot be boiled down to a technique that you master, uh, think of how offensive that is. You know, it makes me think of the Don Juan, uh, you know, can woo any woman. And uh, I won't go to where he takes her uh, and why he woos her. So it's not a matter of being able to woo any woman or being able to overcome any situation. It's not the Machiavellian uh, way of manipulating people in order to get certain results. It's a relationship that actually grows in humility. It grows in failure. It grows in weakness. It grows in a lot of things that we don't normally associate with positive outcomes. And that's where it's, it's really different than uh, that kind of achievement-oriented approach that we have with a lot of worldly things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's a different realm. And so it's a different way of development and a different way of measuring the outcomes, um, which again, uh, has to do with more with relationships and and uh, and trust. So, you know, maybe there's a way that you could take certain levels of trust as the measurement. So, if getting a bullseye is trusting completely and being trusted completely, that might be the right analogy for measurement. Um, which is not going to have to do with technique and achievement so much as authenticity, humility, uh, responsibility, um, yeah, transparency, vulnerability, you know, these kinds of things are what we use to develop trust. And that would really be the measurement for growth in the Christian life. As you m use the word faith, uh, the life of faith, faith has to do with trust. It doesn't have to do with achievement. And so, um, now, to make your to develop the point that I think you were primarily aiming at, but uh, I just wanted to make that contrast because I think it's a really important one. It's an easy way to it's an, an easily held misconception about the spiritual life. Um, but to make your point that we do grow in a way, and I love the you know the sense of the beginner versus someone who has achieved some level of proficiency to someone who has uh, a, a drawn closer to the perfect. And those are precisely the terms that are sometimes used for the growth in the spiritual life. Um, the beginner, the proficient, and the perfect, uh, also correlating with the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive ways. So those would normally be the ways that we'd see some growth. But, but the development of growth is trust, is mutual trust. So at the outset, uh, having any kind of trust, I suppose, would be uh, a positive uh, development. Uh, having any knowledge of God, trust in Him, and we might express that through prayer. We might express that through handing some things over to Him, and we experience some a little bit of freedom from anxiety, or we experience some unexpected insight or outcome from something that we do because we were really trusting in God. Maybe making some sacrifices. That's 
Also a measurement of trust is how much I'm willing to sacrifice or risk for someone else. And maybe we do that. Um, so making sometimes just making the first step to go to mass or something like that, to sacrifice an hour on a Sunday, to sacrifice the attention of going through the mass, to sacrifice the comfort of maybe not understanding what we're doing, and to do that as an act of love for somebody. Maybe that's the, the mark of a beginner, someone who has just started really being serious about the spiritual life. Um, but then over time, the idea of missing mass on a Sunday would be horrifying, uh, even what we call a mortal sin, or sometimes even if it's unavoidable, like in the recent pandemic, or when someone's very sick, or there's a 50 feet of snow outside or whatever, 50 inches of snow, I suppose, uh, outside or whatever it is, you know, then maybe missing mass becomes like a horrifying thought. Although again, when we're bedridden and uh, wearing depends and uh, having a steady stream of drool from our faces, and I say that with great reverence because I see beauty there, really. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrible situation to be in, humanly speaking, but divinely speaking, from God's perspective, there's something very beautiful there. But when we're in that terrible situation, we can't even get to Mass. In some sense, from some external measurement, it would seem like we're back at the beginning. But the trust that we still have in God. And, and sometimes that's expressed through a spoken prayer. Sometimes it's availability to the priest who comes to anoint us. Sometimes it's just an interior disposition if the person is so frozen up in, in their externals so that it's only an internal disposition that when the Lord comes for them, they're ready to be taken away. Um, so just to go back to the point that we measure the spiritual life by an internal uh, measurement of trust that doesn't necessarily correspond exactly to external measurable achievements. So going through, there's a couple of thoughts. Um, so, so it is in a sense, something that you can build upon and, and you do it through a different format. You know, as you said, with the contrast there, it's not that, uh, it's not that there's one technique that that's going to rule all because it's a relationship and each of us, are unique and different. And in some ways, I think that that concept is hard to grasp because we all are unique and different. And if you put, you know, more than three people together and you see how they interact with each other, you can have positive interactions with two other people, but each of those relationships are completely different. And I think that the, the part of the, the thought process that that's so hard to figure out because it's so, so massive is that God is so divine that he's able to have an individual relationship with all of us and have it still be in a positive way, no matter how different we all are. And I think that that is, is obviously something that that's, that's hard for most people to grasp. You know, God is never that guy who, who goes, I don't want to hang out with that, with you. You know, that, that that's not going to happen. And as you said there, that, that, that there are levels, and I guess in a certain sense, I'm probably revealing where I am on that, that growth specter each week when I do one of these, these episodes. Um, so one of the things that kind of correlating everything I heard here and take another experience I'm living is as we get closer and growing more in trusting God, 
you you see the the psychological problems that most of us feel in our lives dissipate in terms of anxiety and stress. And as we're recording this here after the election, um, I'm looking at our own results from our own podcast. This is one of the rare times that our most recent episodes are not becoming the most listened to. It's our episodes about stress and anxiety, thankfulness, resentment. Those are the topics that are, are getting blown up here. And I'm seeing that. And I think that, that it's something that, that you just hit upon here is that as we grow, we become less anxious. We, we, there's almost a, a sense because we're trusting in God, who is God by definition everywhere and can handle everything, our personal anxiety levels decline. Whether we got all ramped up by looking at maps and seeing what colors the individual states are or, or the aftermath therein, I think that whenever we speak to to God in, in a personal way, it does bring all of those things that you said that would be negative outcomes, humility, failure, um, understanding that, that not everything is about us. And it can put it into a perspective and, and ease tension. And, you know, obviously this is about becoming closer with God and a better relationship with God. So that challenge in itself, as we're all individual relationships, can be hard to do. But the fact that we all have the same outcome, to me, is is there. And that when you're with someone who is truly holy, you can feel it. They they enter into a space of calm because of the trust in God. You know, they, they they're someone you ultimately would rather you be around more often, and that your kids be around, and. I think that that is just something that, that why I wanted to focus upon this. And unfortunately, I was under a misconception starting point here where it would just be get better at, at your release point and eventually you, you'll wither out the airs. Um, so so I, I wanted to just spend a minute that the results are there. It just is a process that most people or many people don't always want to go through. Just like if you want to have a six pack, that's not really hard to figure out how to do it. Don't eat carbs and work out a whole lot. Eventually you'll get there. But it's just something that, that, that requires a discipline. And, and I wanted to focus with that because again, even in that analogy, that's a, that's a, that's a performance action analogy that wouldn't, take place whenever, as you keep saying, you're 90 and you're drooling. So I, I, I kind of want to focus a little bit on there and, and I'm pretty sure the answer you're about to tell me is prayer, but I want to focus on how collectively we can become more humble and more trusting in God. Well, I, I'm always pointing to the relationship analogy. So that's something that we already know how to do. And, you know, generally we, well, anyway, by the time we're asking some of these questions, hopefully we've gotten that down a bit. Uh, how do we grow in relationship with people? How do we grow in trust with people? And, you know, part of it is listening, admitting our failures, uh, sharing our hearts, making acts of trust in someone and trusting things to them, whether it's the content of our hearts or whether it's some favor that we're asking of them. What are the stages by which we grow in relationships and how do we do that? And that's going to be 
analogous for growing with God. Now we have to do a little bit of translation, like how do we listen to God? Well, certainly we listen in the context of prayer uh, by being silent and opening our hearts. And you know, I think we've talked about that in other episodes, but we also listen through sacred scripture. Scripture is the way that God has communicated his word to us. He's spoken his word to us. So as we take that in and we pray with it, listen carefully, uh, attentively to what, what God is saying to us, uh, spending time with someone, and then also uh, acts of, of homage, you know, so maybe with a girlfriend, it's by giving her flowers and candy and taking her on a date or paying attention to her needs and reaching out, communicating something. Well, with God, we're going to make little visits to the Blessed Sacrament. We're going to adore him by by giving our hearts to him, by attending Mass and worshiping, uh, by spending time with him. And so with a little bit of translation, we grow in relationship by by spending time in relationship. Now, we also grow in human relationships through uh, obedience, that is to say, when the girlfriend or the wife asks us to do something, we do it. And being faithful to that is really important. And uh, likewise, God asks us to love one another. He asks us to be attentive to the needs of the poor, the suffering, the weak. He asks us to be honest and faithful, not to steal, not to cheat, not to lie, not to destroy people's reputations or to covet after their goods. He asks us to do these things. So if we want to grow in relationship with him, uh, he says, if you love me, do what I command you. Uh, carry out his will in these different areas. And that's where we kind of back into Sometimes Christianity is reduced to all of that stuff as if it's only a bunch of rules, but the rules come from a relationship and they're the way of, uh, you know, we have rules and you got to take out the garbage and clean up after yourself and do the dishes and vacuum the floors. You know, those are the rules of your marriage re relationship. Your rules of your relationship with God are some of these other moral uh, expectations. So, so those are all different ways that we that we grow in relationship with God, that we grow in trust, uh, trusting in him. And, and he, uh, in a sense, trusts in us and is, is entrusting some of his mission. He wants everyone to know him. He wants everyone to have eternal happiness. And so he entrusts some of that mission to us insofar as we prove ourselves trustworthy and makes us the ones who can proclaim his gospel and share his love with others and invite them to know him and pray with people. And all those works of evangelization, those spiritual works of mercy become part of our relationship with God. So anyway, I always like to go back to that relational analogy because it makes it all seem a little less mysterious. It, it makes a lot of sense and is something that we understand just with a little bit of translation for how we do these things with a divine person rather than a human person. But it's still a, a lot of the same kinds of insights. And I'd like to dive a little deeper into that, in that when we follow the rules in terms of I do the speed limit, you know, I'm not speeding, I'm you know, not stealing, not cheating on my tax, anything like that. That doesn't necessarily give me a relationship with the governor. It just means I'm being a good citizen. And I think that that is part of the challenge that exists out there is that while I understand that just from an intellectual standpoint, if, if everyone would do these rules, all of our society would be better. That's pretty, 
pretty black and white from an action standpoint. But I think that, that a lot of the challenge that we have with people essentially distancing themselves from the faith is this connection that we're talking about here being that I know implicitly that I should do good things and I want to do good things because everyone has that starting set of wanting to be good. And that, that connection that actually doing these good actions and following the commandments, whether we know who gave them to us or not, that it actually does create a relationship with God and strengthen it. So I'd like to, to dive in on that point there. Cause I do think it's, it's a problem that, that intellectually most people don't have a grasp upon. Yeah. So uh, that's a great, thanks for making that, that connection following the Pennsylvania state laws. Don't give me a relationship with the governor. Um, and, and that's actually because the laws, the Pennsylvania state laws, insofar as they are just laws are really rooted in God's law. And so it's uh not so much the creation of the governor as it is the creation of God. We're getting to know more about the lawgiver God than the lawgiver the governor by following the Pennsylvania state laws. But, um, but very much uh, to your point, we, it's, it's important to make the connection. So, uh, and, and we can keep pressing into, you know, why, well, why not steal? Why not commit adultery? Why not uh, lie? Why not, um, whatever, uh, destroy people's reputations or, uh, well, because God doesn't do that with us and we're, we're learning something about him. It's part of our covenant with him, the way that he loves, the way that he respects us, the way that he is faithful to us. We're made in his image and likeness, and it actually speaks to our dignity. You know, animals will rip each other apart. We, sometimes have this kind of idyllic image of how animals behave and think that it's all peaceful in the animal kingdom. I mean, couldn't be farther from the truth. There's a, a lot of violence and destruction and uh, a lot of nasty stuff in the animal kingdom. But God doesn't behave that way with us, and he doesn't want us to behave that way with him or with each other because we're made in his image and likeness. And so uh, respect and uh building up the dignity of the other, mutual love. These are the, the marks of God's interactions with us. And so his rules are, are always oriented to that way, to that direction. Uh, St. Paul and St. Peter both talked about how love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no wrong to, to the neighbor. And uh, love covers a, a multitude of sins. And so the the law ultimately is about love it's about a love relationship with god and you're absolutely right we can follow a lot of these rules and not actually develop that relationship with god and that would be uh, a mistake that uh, we would want to remedy make the connection it's important to make the connection with uh, with the lord that we're doing his will because he is worthy of our love and because we choose to do that out of our relationship with him. And certainly to, to that point, I mean, I think we've outlined in a couple of ways here that when you do follow the, the roles, if you will, if, if you do create a better relationship here, it puts you in a situation where you become someone everyone else wants to be. You, you lose anxiety. It goes away in your, in your trust in others. 
Um, you know, if you think about about a team, you know, obviously we're in the middle of football season. The quarterback would is way more anxious, as you can see on some teams, when his offensive line is not good because his chance of getting hit and sacked is dramatically higher. And you see quarterbacks in those situations throw worse passes and, you know, have unsuccessful results compared to quarterbacks who do have confidence in their blockers in front of them that they aren't going to get hit. They can accomplish their goals much better. And in this particular point I'm trying to bring up is that God ultimately is never going to let you down. And that when you have trust in him, it puts you in a much calmer position. And you mentioned a couple of things here that throughout the this episode and, and throughout life that we can't just go from zero to 60 with, with a relationship. It takes time. It takes it takes experience and it takes trust and being in a situation where anxiety is essentially rampant in our society for, for a lot of different reasons. But one of which is that most people don't know how to just stop and be in silence. And I get to getting to that point might seem like an astronomical task for many. So a thought had occurred to me that when you're feeling a, out of control and overwhelmed an anxious type moment to get out of those. Many people recommend you do something habitual to, to take you to a good situation. And one of the things that that you have mentioned here in this episode would be to, to actually sit and read scripture. And I think that that would be something that ideally would, would help people. Because A, it takes your mind off of whatever was overwhelming you. And B, it's going to ultimately point you closer to God. And in doing so, and trusting him will relieve your tension and your overwhelmness and be a successful remedy. So I wanted to, to just, and I don't know the stats behind this, but it feels like talking about depression and anxiety has grown more and more as it seems we have dissipated further and further away from the faith. And I, I don't know if I can draw a straight line connection, but I feel like there is a, at least a cause or at least a correlation, if not a causation. So father, as we conclude the end of today's episode, I wanted to see if you had any thoughts or many, any actions, habitual actions people could institute in their lives to help to get to this point. Yeah. And uh, you you make a great suggestion, you know, reading from scripture is tremendously helpful. It, I think we really feel the difference. We experience the difference between the the, the feel of, uh, of scripture and the feel of evening news or, well, constant 24-hour news cycle. There's something that's like agitating and ramped up and uh the sort of you know conspiracy theory stuff or accusations or uh a way there's a way that the news is reported or other things on on television that are uh, have a kind of intensity and a stimulation to them that is well it's like the difference between a good meal and mcdonald's you know it's like you really taste the difference between a, a home cooked meal with love, even if it's very plain in certain ways, uh, as opposed to you know something like some fast food that uh, 
we can taste that this is, you know, it's it's very tasty, and yet uh, it would probably kill us if we just had a diet based on this. So, yeah, doing things like reading from Scripture, reading from the lives of the saints, and just getting that divine perspective on life is tremendously helpful. Taking time in silence, just sitting with God, and being aware of his presence, just knowing he's in this room, he's sitting next to me, he lives in my heart. Just making those simple acts of faith, telling him that we love him and that we want to serve him, uh, just asking for his help, like the apostles, Lord, teach me to pray, telling him, I want to do what you want me to do. Um, you know, just just little things like that can make a tremendous difference. But um, yeah, entering into into relationship with him and developing that sensitivity to him and looking more from a divine perspective or some some correctives that can help to, um, well, if anxiety and depression are a, a whole uh, separate topic, I suppose, but it certainly is uh, one positive benefit that our relationship with God can be very helpful in those areas, depending on what the cause of our depression or anxiety is. Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I not want to make it say that it would be a, a cure-all but it certainly will help um, as, as we've kind of pointed out many times that the closer you have a relationship with God, the better everything seems to be, whether it's tangibly measurable or not, you can just feel it and tell. So with that being said, we, we definitely thank everyone for listening. We thank everyone who's going back and listening to old episodes as well. Um, we, we thank you. If you haven't yet, please give us a star review um, and please click subscribe as we will be with you again here next week as well.